everyone, and welcome to the Expeditors Podcast, where you can hear about front of my topics in the logistics and freight forwarding industry through the lens of a global logistics provider. I'm your host, Chris Parker, and today's topic, jumping to general average. Now, speaking for myself, insurance is something I don't like paying for, but my goodness, am I thankful whenever I need it. And when looking at ocean freight, there's a lot more that can happen beyond a good old fender bender. So today I'm joined by Ian Buchanan, Senior Manager of Risk Management at ECIB, or Expeditors Cargo Insurance Brokers, to talk about an interesting term that's been hitting headlines these days whenever you're reading about disasters at sea, and that's general average. Ian, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Good, Chris. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. But I know that I will be better once you make me an expert in cargo insurance. Yeah, well, it's it's a complicated topic, and we're going to co- cover a lot of stuff today. I uh, can't guarantee you're going to be an expert, but uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll try to explain as best I can. All right. Well, here's hoping. Um, let's get a little bit of history uh, about you. Um, what is ECIB or uh, Expeditors Cargo Insurance Brokers, and what do you do as senior manager for risk management? Uh, sure. Um, so ECIB is actually a wholly owned subsidiary of Expeditors International. Okay. Um, and so we're, we're set up under the Expeditors tent, but we do operate pretty uh, independently. And our, you know, we are, as the name implies, we're an insurance broker, mm-hmm. the IB and ECIB. But unlike most of the uh, normal insurance brokerages in the world, um, we really only focus on one commodity, and that is cargo insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, from our birthplace uh, as part of Expeditors, we really have stuck to what we know and specialize in, which is uh, the world of cargo. And mm-hmm. so um, we act as a broker to place cargo insurance for lots of companies around the world. And then we also have a, a product called Claims Management, where we handle cargo claims for mm-hmm. those companies as an outsourced uh, service. Now, plenty of uh, freight forwarders will offer their own cargo insurance, but how does ECIB kind of differ from that? How do they do things differently? Yeah, sure. So um, the difference is that ECIB is really on the customer's side, right? So we uh, would be your insurance broker. We're in your corner. And what we specialize in is kind of taking a look at your supply chain holistically. How does your freight move around the world? Um, what what are the commodities that are at risk? What, you know, what lanes are you shipping? Uh, what carriers are you using? And we're going to help you kind of custom tailor an insurance solution to that. So it's not even bringing an insurance solution, it's also helping them look at themselves to come up with better ideas and and solutions and and just find the right options for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the best coverage is the coverage that like covers everything that you're doing, but doesn't, you don't have, you're not paying for what you don't need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) That's the last thing anyone would want to do. (laughs) Right. Um, So I guess before we get started, one last question about yourself. Why is cargo insurance so interesting to you? Uh, I think it's just kind of a, a really niche um, specialization that is yeah. everybody sort of needs it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, very few people truly understand it. And, mm-hmm. I, it, you know, we like to say that, you know, freight sort of makes the world go round, but insurance is kind of the the financial backstop to that freight. <laughs> um, well, let's talk a little bit about this hidden world. Um and the, the big term for today's topic is general average. So mm-hmm. as before we get to talking about in current terms, uh, what is the history of general average and how does it kind of work in the maritime industry? Yeah, so so this is one of the things I think that um, 
is most fascinating about in marine insurance in general, but and also specifically the, the concept of general average is just how old it is. Mm. So the concept of general average has been traced back to, you know, the end of the Roman Empire, essentially, in, sh- <laughs> in shipping in shipping around the Mediterranean. Whoa, no, seriously. Okay, it's, it's thousands of years old. And it's this, wow. it's this concept and tradition in, in maritime law, which obviously the laws have, you know, evolved over the years, but um, it's, 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 existed throughout um Mm -hmm. that basically back when there were sailing ships that were moving uh freight you know probably throughout the mediterranean at that time sure um they would occasionally have instances where there would be a a storm or the boat would be taking on water it'd be you would run aground on some rocks or something like that and Mm -hmm. you would have to make a very quick decision about jettisoning some cargo in order to save the boat right so that you know you got to lose weight taking on water something like that and rather than have an argument right there in the middle of the storm about whose cargo has to go overboard, <laughs> yeah. uh, you just say, you know what, we'll figure this out later fairly. Uh, we just need to get out of here to save the the voyage, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so that's where it sort of that tradition came from was that any any sort of sacrifice to save the boat uh, was going to be shared by everybody once you got safe and sound back to back to port. Gotcha. So not all. I mean. When you're making snap decisions and having to choose which you know cargo to jettison overboard, mm-hmm. like you can't just be like, all right, give me the manifest and we'll we'll choose two from company A and then two right. containers from company B. How does that all get figured out afterward? I mean, if 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 they had to make a, a snap decision and one company ends up having to lose more freight than others, do the right. other companies kind of pay for that or like how does that get figured out? Yeah, they do. So f- to fast forward a little bit here, I mean, obviously with today's world of uh, giant uh, container vessels, you don't really have those situations very often where <laughs> you're having to throw containers overboard in order to save the ship. Sure. Um, they're pretty and big. We'll, we'll <laughs> kind of circle back to that a little yeah. bit later with the, the containers overboard that have been sort of hitting the news, but <clears throat> you don't voluntarily jettison containers for the most part anymore. Mm. Um, so what, what happens, what tends to happen today with, when a general average is declared is that it's kind of one of three main things, either there's a fire on board, um, there's some sort of mechanical failure due to weather uh, or just surely things breaking down on the, on the ship that leaves it stranded or some sort of grounding or foundering event. Right. Mm -hmm. So in any of those cases uh, what's important about general average is that it's declared uh, when there is sort of an event that calls for an extraordinary sacrifice or expenditure from the ship owner okay. to save everybody's uh, cargo that's on board. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the, the process that, that, you know, once, once the vessel, the voyage is saved, um, then starts this really long cumbersome process uh, where everybody's cargo is sort of tallied up, the losses are tallied up. And then there's this sort of apportionment where everybody kind of reimburses the ones that actually lost something. There's been a couple um Throughout the the last couple of years, um, there was one called the uh, the Hyundai Fortune that happened back in uh, 2006, where mm. there was a full third of the cargo was lost um, wow. due to due to a fire breaking out on board, um, and you know the crew was evacuated from that ship, and they had to have multiple firefighting vessels and come in, put out the fire, and then tugs to tug the the ship to to shore. So that's kind of that extraordinary expense that kind of goes in. So the ship owner obviously had to pay for those firefighting vessels, those tugboats, and they did that in order to save everybody else's freight that was sure. still 
kind yeah. of hanging on there. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, talking about today again, um, you know, a number of recent headlines have mentioned, you know, high profile shipments having containers go overboard or, or some other kind of disaster like a fire um, like you're talking about kind of taking place. And chatting before with you, it sounded like general average was the first thing that comes to mind for people. Um, so my question is, why is general average becoming such a concern? Why is it the first thing people tend to jump towards? I think it's because when people think of general average, they sort of think of those big dramatic events, kind of like the fire that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and so as a result, whenever they see something dramatic, like, you know, 700 containers washed overboard in a storm, they sort of <laughs> tend to jump to, well, there's probably going to be a general average, right? Oh, I see. Right. go hand in hand. Disaster equals general average. That's, that's not really the case, though, um, because... The general average can really only be declared when there's a sacrifice or expenditure that's intentionally made in order to preserve the the vessel and mm -hmm. the voyage. So just having bad luck and something happening like a bad storm doesn't mean that that ship owner actually had additional any sacrifice or expenditure that that's just a, a case where you'd want to have cargo insurance if you're the owners of those containers. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that kind of leads me to the next question and that's um, what are the bigger issues at play here? You know, like when it comes to understanding cargo insurance and what's the best way to kind of understand risk at sea and, and how do customers typically mitigate these, you know, like what are their options? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of attention that gets put on, on general average, but you know, in my opinion, the, the, the thing that you should really be thinking about is, is do you have a cargo insurance solution or policy that's going to respond not just to a general average situation, which sure. those happen and there's, you know, there's maybe a couple of dozen per year or something like that. But compared to the amount of like just loss and damage that happens in the general course of moving freight throughout the year, mm -hmm. um, it's very, very small. It, it would be like insuring your house uh, against someone driving a car in through your window versus insuring your your house against the normal things like fire, flood, burglary mm -hmm. that, that are much more likely to happen, right? Gotcha. Um, so the insurance will cover both of those things, but I would I would tell people not to to be so laser focused on general average, perhaps, and and maybe think about the the more common loss and and damage in the supply chain. So then what are, um, I guess when looking at insurance, then what are the, the common misconceptions? I mean, if, 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 if jumping to general average is, is definitely one of them, what other misconceptions are there uh, or things that tend to get overlooked when, when insuring shipments? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I hear a couple of things pretty often in talking to customers or prospective customers. One, one of them is, well, I, I don't need cargo insurance because the, you know, the steamship line or the, the carrier or the forwarder is just going to reimburse me. They, they lost my stuff. Uh, they'll pay me back for it. <laughs> sure. Right. Which of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly, I think that makes a lot of sense when you say it that way, you, you break it, you buy it sort of mentality, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. there, there is, there's all sorts of international laws and, and domestic United States laws that really, limit the the liability it's called li the legal liability of carriers and forwarders mm -hmm. um, to very very low amounts in some cases for example international ocean uh, movements are limited by law to $500 per shipping unit so you could have a, a container that has 10 pallets in it and that could be 10 10 times 500 uh, would be all that you would get for 
a complete loss of that container from the steamship line, whereas you could you could have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of cargo on those. So Jeez. the 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 gap there is can be pretty significant, <laughs> and you really it's not a good idea to to lean just on legal liability to right. to reimburse yourself. We hear sometimes of companies saying, well, we're self-insured or we'll just absorb the losses when they happen. And that's, you know, that is a viable strategy if you've really done the math through and you have a, a good understanding of kind of exactly what you can expect in a given year loss-wise. But mm-hmm. there's always those outliers where you could have, you know, a, a catastrophe of an event or a truck accident or fire or something like that, that that could really hit your books hard if you, if you don't have, you know, the backstop of cargo insurance. What else does insurance take care of that might not be as well known? Are there any other kind of like fringe benefits or anything like that that can happen by, by having insured your cargo? Yeah, yeah, there there are a couple. Um, I mean, obviously, the the big thing everybody thinks about is is getting that monetary reimbursement. It sure. is it's insurance, after all. That's that's <laughs> kind of the big thing. Yeah. Uh, no argument there. But then there's also a lot of things like, um, you know, setting up a survey, for example. If you've got freight that arrives and part of it's damaged, um, but you need you know, there needs to be a third-party survey done of the freight, the container, to see the condition of the container, all these sorts of things, um, to test for salt versus freshwater. Uh, somebody's got to arrange for and pay for that surveyor, right? And so that's typically something that your insurance company would step in and do to take mm-hmm. care of you. Um, going back to the general average situation, uh, that whole process that I mentioned that can take 10 years to resolve, well, if you've got cargo insurance, you're you're it's typically your cargo insurer who will step in, fill out all the paperwork for you, post the bond that's necessary for you to get your cargo released because you do have to put money up front uh, as part of the general average process. Sure. And you can get your cargo back fast and you've been reimbursed and you're on your way. And it's really the insurance company that, that will deal with sort of that long legal process. Right. A lot of that administrative work that has to Yeah, happen. a lot of the <laughs> the admin and the paperwork. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's good not to have to to do that yourself. For sure. <laughs> uh <laughs> we're coming to a close of the time and I wanted to know uh kind of get to know the cargo insurance world a little bit better here. Um so what's going on in the cargo insurance world that is I guess for lack of a better term, making waves. <laughs> that was awful. Nice, yeah. nice, nice, nice fun. <laughs> don't don't encourage that. <laughs> Is that always what happens on these podcasts? It's just cargo puns. <laughs> just cargo puns, yeah. Yeah. Um, so making waves right now, uh, we're we're kind of in what what we call a hard market. Uh, mm. as far as and that's mostly related to pricing. So mm-hmm. as with most other insurance industries are sort of a cyclical pricing, hard, soft. And we're really entering uh, the teeth of like a hard market right now where rates are coming up uh, a lot. Um, And that's really provided sort of a crunch for some companies who are used to having um, for the last couple of years, very low rates on their cargo insurance. And and they're seeing, um, you know, 15% increases, sometimes up to, you know, 20, 30, 40% increases, even if they have no losses, mm-hmm. um, which is tough on a lot of, of companies that are already facing increased uh, freight spend, right? So um, that's all kind of been dr- being driven by the economy at large and the, the history in the last decade or so of a lot of, of bad uh, losses in the, in the marine cargo in- insurance industry. Mm-hmm. What we're sort of doing to try to combat that is we're, you know, we're talking to our customers early and often when they're coming up for the renewal to make sure that their, their sort of risk is right sized for the policy and, and to make sure that um, 
they have the right amount of coverage that they need and that they're not trying to insure more than what they're actually doing. So mm-hmm. taking a look at their supply chain, uh, you know, what is the, what are the commodities? Is their deductible set at the right level? Do they have the correct limits that they really need? Do they have the right coverages? Are they, are they sort of paying for anything that they don't need? Sure. And making sure that we convey that to the insurance company so that they know that they've got, you know, a good safe risk on their hands and that there's no misconceptions. What are the kind of things then that inform these uh, hard and soft markets? What can uh, customers be paying attention to in the headlines in order to anticipate these kinds of conversations? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard to. Nobody's got a crystal ball that sure. can really see whether <laughs> what what it's got, you know what's going to happen hard or soft market wise. But I would say that one sort of harbinger of one, if you will, is is just a lot of shock losses. And so, um, in insurance, we talk about shock versus sort of frequency. So frequency would be like a lot of little things adding up. Shock loss would be like a really big event that could be hundreds of millions of dollars potentially in a warehouse fire or a ship, you know. Uh, foundering in storm or something like that. Um, those tend to have an outsized effect on the industry where you have a couple of losses in, for, for example, like the pharma industry um, mm-hmm. can be a, a pretty large concentration of values per container. Mm-hmm. And if you have a couple of those big losses, it's, sometimes insurers tend to get a little bit spooked. Yeah, and no, absolutely. Yeah. They, they, they decide that they need to raise rates the next year. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's not nothing that you can really look forward to, but like keep an eye on the headlines, keep an eye on how often you know big events are happening, and that could possibly inform you to prepare for these various these two kinds of markets that happen, either hard or soft. Yeah, and and I mean these are like I said, they're cyclical and they tend to develop fairly slowly. Um, we tend to see them coming. Uh, over the course of a couple of months, and then the the prices really harden more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I mean, there's nothing that you, as a cargo owner, you can really do about a hard or soft market. <laughs> sure. Uh, all you can do is try to just have you know an early, often conversations with you know your your professional broker mm-hmm. about is is your policy custom tailored to to really what your exposure is. Well, Ian, thank you so much for uh, for chatting with me about this and for kind of demystifying general average. Uh, I thought it was something that was really spooky in the headlines when I'm like, oh my gosh, like all, all this craziness is going on, the you know, containers going overboard. But it's like that's a, it's just kind of part of the process. There's a process laid out for it already. It doesn't happen that often, like in the grand scheme of things, you know, throughout the, right. throughout a year. Um, so it's not really the one factor that should decide for you whether or not you should be insuring your cargo there's a tons of other things that could be happening right there there have been more for sure this year mm-hmm. um already than typically happen in a in a given calendar year as far as containers lost um and those do tend to, to sort of make splashy headlines right um, there's 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 another pun for you um <laughs> but like you said it's it, you know you don't want to be focused just on that one thing a good mm-hmm. cargo insurance policy will definitely cover you for for general average but you want to make sure that you're kind of addressing the other risks in your supply chain as well yeah absolutely if folks wanted to get in touch with you or learn a little bit more about ecib where can they go um they can go to our website um ecibglobal.com mm-hmm um, we've got a lot of good information there. Uh, we've uh, started really ramping up our efforts to put out a lot of educational material as far as white papers, uh, some videos, um, some some information that you can download on the website. And we've uh, we've got a, a blog on there as well that we're publishing content to. That's so. cool. Well, thank you so much, Ian. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expediters, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expediters.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time. Bye.